Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stairway to CEO podcast brought to you by Future Commerce. I'm your host, Lee Green, and it's my mission to bring you a real, honest and unfiltered interview with top business leaders from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 36 of the Stairway to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Lee Green, and today I sat down with Benjamin Witte, the founder and CEO of Recess. Recess is a consumer wellness and lifestyle brand creating products and experiences designed to help people feel calm, balanced, and inspired despite an increasingly stressful world. In this episode, Ben shares with us his journey from growing up in Laguna Beach to attending Boston University to working with a few tech startups in San Francisco, which led him to discover his passion for entrepreneurship, design, and customer experience. We talk about some things to consider when building a brand, how to find founder market fit, and why it's important to market feelings rather than ingredients. Tune in to hear all of this and more. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us an awesome review. We'd really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Ben, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today. I'm really excited to hear your story and building recess. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So where are you from originally? So I grew up in uh, Laguna Beach, California, an hour south uh, of LA. It's a kind of a beach town, a small beach town uh, that was originally like an art colony. Um, so it has definitely like kind of a, a creative kind of surfer uh, vibe to it, um, yeah. which was uh, uh, a big part of my life back then. I, I grew up kind of a, a surfer and very interested in kind of art and design. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of, I spent my uh, childhood and kind of high school years. So did you have any siblings growing up? Yeah, I'm the oldest, uh, of three. Uh, I have a younger sister who's also, uh, a founder and an entrepreneur. I started a women's healthcare company called Tia. And then I have a younger brother, uh, who's a music producer, uh, in LA. So we're very, very close family, um, and very close to my parents as well. So where did entrepreneur come, entrepreneurship come from? Did that come from your parents or what did your parents do? Um, my dad was not, uh, he was more of an investor um, and has had worked in a bunch of uh, different fields. And he, uh, he was an architect and a, kind of a designer by training. Um, but early on in his career, he recognized that he didn't want to kind of work for a developer as an architect and he wanted to kind of be the boss. And I think so he had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, right? To to kind of uh expand, you know, into the business side of real estate development um with a design mentality. Um and uh from there, you know, he spent a number of years in the real estate business and then uh went to like kind of the kind of private uh, equity side of things uh, focused on um, you know, middle market 
companies. Um, and so he's not a founder per se, um, but more of a, like he's worked on projects and entrepreneurial endeavors his whole career, but more as the, from the investing side of things. Interesting. And so your mom, what, what did she do? Um, she was primarily a mom. She was, uh, she, she grew up on a farm and is incredibly, uh, creative, uh, and insightful. Um, but, uh, you know, she, she has many kind of hobbies, uh, and act, you know, activities and, um, and, you know, she runs this library series in, in Newport beach that she's very passionate about. She's a big gardener, but she was you know, really kind of supporting my brother, sister, and my, you know, dad and I in, in many ways, but very, very important to, you know, my whole family's, uh, ability to, 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 to work on our passions. Yeah. And so what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, the first thing I was, uh, interested in was, uh, making movies. Um, and so I was really interested in, um, in kind of telling stories that way. And I thought I wanted to be going to the film industry. And originally I thought I wanted to be like a music video producer. Hmm. And, uh, my like first entrepreneurial endeavor was, um, st- creating this, I grew up in Laguna, there's a sport called skimboarding, which is because the waves break close to the shore, not out. And so they invented this sport there, which is like kind of surfing kind of on the sand out to the waves a little bit is the best way to describe it. And it's like the best waves in the world for that. And I made this kind of basically like a documentary surf film about all the kind of the top skimboarders that lived in Laguna beach and made it with my friend and, you know, premiered it, you know, when we were 16 years old, you know, I think there was like two showings of a couple hundred people, right. And like kind of sold it places. And so that was like my first entrepreneurial endeavor in retrospect. I didn't really think of it that way. I was just thinking about like making a movie, but it made me some money right at a, at a young age. And so I think, uh, I was somewhat kind of hooked and, you know, had confidence in my ability to create stuff out of nothing and figure things out. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, what was one of the most challenging things for you growing up? Um, I think it was just like, I think school, I was never particularly good at school. Um, I was just like, I don't think the traditional conventional school system was really like aligned with how I learned and think, um, or, and, and so I was just, I never really like, I wish I would have focused a lot more on like design and creativity than I did because I don't think the system encouraged or allowed it basically. And so you're like going down a path, you know, even into college, I don't like even like fondly at my college experience. I just think it was like kind of a waste of time in retrospect. Yeah. So, uh, um, so I think that was never feeling like I had a, I didn't really have a clarity of like purpose or vision. And I think it was primarily because the system like drives you towards like conformity. Right. Right. It's kind of like factory workers, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's very, very traditional. Um, and so you said you went to college. I think you went to Boston university. How was that experience when you were there? It sounds like it was, it wasn't really fueling your creative side, but I mean, it got me out of, sorry. Yeah. So it got me out of, um, I knew I, I was, I recognized I wanted to like get out of California and go to school on the East coast. And, um, 
And BU also had like a very good film school, uh, but that's not where I kind of started, but that was like one of the ideas in theory. But it was a very, you know, it was a very important experience because I, again, I got to leave California, live in a city. All of my friends end up being from like New York City or like international students because it was a big kind of international college scene at the time, at least like in Boston. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like exposed to this like new world, basically. That was not this like surf town bubble, right? Which is right. what I kind of grew up with. Um, but again, like school was just like, it was whatever. Like I ended up studying undergraduate business, which I think is frankly complete, pretty much useless to like starting a company. Um, <laughs> like I really don't attribute any of my success in the business world. And like I ended up, you know, to like what I learned in school. I, like I really believe that. Um, yeah. And so like, what are the things, what's the contrast there that you noticed? You just have no, like, like you have no appreciation for like implementing concepts in practice until you've like worked in the business world and like understand like what a company is and how it works and like what the challenge, what, like what a manager is actually going through and what the dynamics of competition is. It's like, so unless you want to do like just finance or accounting, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a clearly like a skill set, um, and like and, and a and a uh, you know there's a way that's done basically. Um, I just don't think it's the best way to learn business concepts. Right, I agree with you <laughs> completely on that topic. Um, and so, when you were in college, did you have any internships or, or first jobs? Yeah, I had a couple different. It was like I interned in. Uh, um, like in, I thought I was going to go into like the real estate world back then. Um, and so I had two internships, you know, in, in the real estate world. And then, um, basically what happened was there was like one class I took my senior, I think it was my, yeah, like fall of senior year, which was like this internet law class, um, and within the business school. And we studied, it was like really looking at like, all of the interesting like legal questions that the internet presents as it relates to like copyright and content and you know social the early days of social media and that is what kind of exposed me to like silicon valley and the and innovation and the idea of like startups and so that was like really the only useful like the most important thing that you know, came out of it and it was my senior year i decided like i wanted i was didn't want to go you know work in new york and whatever you know, investment banking or like something like that would, would have been terrible. I probably wouldn't even have got a job, but, uh, you know, I was like, I want to move to San Francisco and like join a startup. Um, and you know, my first job out of, and this was in 2010. So there's like right when the San Francisco startup scene was like starting to blow up. Right. And so it was like the, per, it was like, you know, I think 2010 and 2000, like, 13 was like peak San Francisco, like, you know, to a fault. Right. But there was this clearly this explosion happening and it was just, and, um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I joined this three person startup that was, um, you know, not, did not end up being successful, but it was, you know, we were building kind of an influencer marketing platform for social media back in 2010. (laughs) And we like launched on MySpace to give you a sense of like where the world was. Yeah. So it was like, Basically, like the right idea, probably too like at the wrong time, probably too early, maybe not, but just like poorly executed, right? Just like you know, frankly, like not the right team, 
not the right partners, not the right strategy, not right anything. Right. And so it just shows you that like, you can be in a space like, and like have a good idea, but like ideas are, are worthless, right? Like mm-hmm. it's about the execution of it. And for me, it was very empowering because I remember getting there and being like these founders or the, you know, the guys, the couple of people, the top are like, you know, and they're, I think they're in like the mid to late thirties. And I'm like, they, they literally have no idea like what they're doing. Like in terms of like, they were betting on my space and the world was like, so obviously going to Facebook. Right. So you're like, how could I come in and see that right away as a 22 year old? And like, these are, you know, so it was like, mm-hmm. it, it was empowering. Like if they can do it, I can do it like type of right. thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like, that is it, you know, I think the older you get, the more you recognize that everyone's just figuring it out. Right. And anyone right. else you otherwise is like just lying. Hey guys, I want to tell you a little bit about a new report we're launching here at Future Commerce in partnership with Gladly called The New DIY. It's all about the new trend that has emerged around the passion economy and modern consumption, which begins with peer inspiration, continues with product education, and culminates into participation or an online purchase. The report covers how these trends start on social media, the importance of great customer experience across all brands, regardless of industry, and the implications this trend has on retailers. You can get the full report today over at futurecommerce.fm slash the new DIY. That's futurecommerce.fm slash the new DIY. That's really interesting that if they can do it, I can do it type of mentality, because I think that, you know, I've experienced that quite a bit in my own life of when you, and when you hear yourself or you catch yourself thinking that you're like, ah, wait a minute, there's something here. If I really believe that, then I should maybe try and pursue this because I'm secretly wanting to, you know, do it differently or do it my way or, you know, just kind of that boost of confidence. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I think it was like, you know, you know, that, specific situation in, you know, that startup wasn't, it was, you know, clearly, it became clear to me like that it wasn't going to work. Right. But I was living within, you know, this San San Francisco at the time when Mm -hmm. Uber, I I remember I must've been one of the first like hundred or 200 users of Uber. Like I remember like seeing these things like happen before my eyes and just being like, this is amazing. Like that mentality of just being able to like, go build things and like, you know, put a dent in the world, like was, I think very inspiring. And like, I was hooked on that. Um, yeah. And from there, but like, you know, again, you know, long story short, got exposed to like digital advertising, you know, through this early idea of like social media influencer marketing. Um, and from there I was, you know, I was like, this this is a kind of a sinking ship. I'm going to go join another startup, join this company called AdRoll, which kind of pioneered like retargeted ads. So those, those ads that follow you around the internet for like products that you look at, mm-hmm. like, they pretty much invented that. Um, and uh, I was like, that makes sense. Like everyone, every, every marketer will do this. Just like they do search advertising, they're going to want to retarget that traffic. Like this company is going to be big. I joined there when I was like 15 people. And when I left, there was like 500, 600 people. Oh, it's wow. been, and so it was like this rocket ship in some ways, but you know, it's, it also didn't end like that space ended up being a really bad space to be in over time. Like the advertising technology space, because Facebook and Google just ended up owning it all. Um, and like there was less, you know, during the shift from desktop to mobile, 
like the need for like a middleman man became less important. So that was very interesting to see like the dynamics of like the internet and like on yeah. and like you can also have something that's hot that becomes like not as valuable like when like a platform makes just like a shift, right? So right. that was really interesting. Um, and I also, but I got to see what scaling a business is like going from that many, you know, from, you know, 15 people to hundreds of people. Yeah. That's a lot of people. How long were you there? What was your role and what were some of the takeaways? Um, I was there like a little over four years. Um, I started like in the bottom in sales. Mm -hmm. Um, and but I was always like my, my thing's always been like seeing what's next and like just figuring out how to like be in, that was like, I always thought of like being an entrepreneur internally there, right? Like push the company into new things. So I was like the first person to focus on like international, like I'm going to go like bring our technologies overseas. Like, and I was like, I actually focused on like India, you know, randomly. And then it was like, became, I was like, I want to move like out of just traditional sales into into more of a product like uh, function, mm-hmm. which is like not usual, like how it happened. Yeah. But I was again, like, you know, I was very like, I'd say, you know, in retrospect, you know, probably difficult to manage, right? Because I was more of this like entrepreneur in there. But, you know, the next thing I saw was like, the future is clearly mobile advertising. Like at all people's time spent is shifting from their desktop to their phone. Like we have to go shift, we help our customers get there and build our technology. Mm-hmm. So I became the head of mobile, right? And so my job was to basically come up with a strategy to help us turn from a desktop advertising company to a mobile to a, to a kind of car cross device company. Um, and so um, ex- again, it was an example of just like always trying to like push forward. And I just recognized, you know, soon enough that I was like probably unemployable. I should probably just go work for myself, right? Like that just became clear to me. Is that like, like again, like I was, you know, empowered to recognize that like startups are started by like anyone. And it's actually like being quote unquote inexperienced can be like a competitive advantage. Yeah. And then also recognition that like, I'm not, I'm probably better suited to go be a true entrepreneur, right. And like go work for myself um, and figure out myself. Do you remember any like defining moments of when you're in a meeting or something and you're like, you know what? I just really should do this. Do be an entrepreneur myself. Um, I actually don't recall that. Uh, yeah, I think it was just, I think it became clear. It was like, where was I going to go from there? It was not like it, it was, you know, it was like not like mobile became the number one priority. So I don't really, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't recall one to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It sounds like it was maybe just like a cumulative. Yeah. It was cumulative. Yeah. A bunch of different experiences kind of leading to the fact that you were ping ponging around to different things in the company and like kind of wanting to do so many different things rather than be a specialist in one thing. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have that similar trait. For sure. Yeah. And so what happened after that? What, what made you decide to leave or did you get fired or what happened from there? Didn't didn't get fired. Just decided like, you know, it's time to go out on my own. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, what the, what I recognized, um, and it was a, not a, as I'll share, like it was not a clean journey to like where I am now at all. Um, but I just decided to like kind of quit and, and, and just try and get started. And 
basically what I, I recognized that like I, you know, wasn't the best, even though my experience had been in kind of technology and building, you know, helping to sell and build software for businesses, that like my passions and strengths were better were more around kind of design and consumer experiences. Mm. Um, and so if I was gonna go start my own company, uh, I wanted to go it to be a kind of a consumer brand or experience of some kind. And I do recall now that I think about it, like when I was thinking about this, I remember meeting some like a friend's uncle who was actually a pretty like senior Silicon Valley executive and just like, hey, I'm trying to figure out my life a little bit, like how to yeah. think about what's next. And he told me, uh, pay attention to what you pay attention to. Right. Like the idea is like, what are the things you think about like when no one's watching, basically, right? When it's just like natural. And that's probably like what you should go focus on. Right. And I think I, I totally reject the entrepreneurship for sports idea. Like that, you just like the idea really matters and like founder market fit matters the most. Right. Like you have to go pursue an idea that aligns with like who you are. And that it's not just like looking at some like analysis of like a market opportunity and saying, right. Hey, like, like an MBA analysis. That's why like a lot of the times like those don't work. Right. Cause they're just like, they're just, they're like, it's not authentic. Right. And so, um, I was, I think smart enough to recognize that again, if I was going to go out on my own, like I wanted to go explore spaces that were like, that I was well positioned to like build something in. Yeah. I like that idea of founder market fit. You know, I haven't heard that too often. And I think that's really something that's, that goes a little underrated, you know? Um, I agree. It's important for the founder. I mean, everyone's like, Oh, the founder needs to be passionate, but I think like sometimes that passion can be, um, I don't know, maybe faked in a way because yeah. you're naturally trying to sell something anyways to investors, to advisors, to whoever, when you're pitching your ideas, um, that it just has to come from a really authentic place, which is a little harder to, to dig for and find and discover. So how did you realize that your strength was in design and consumer experiences? What was it for you that said, I should step out of mobile and technology and into this world that is more fitting for me? Well, I always recognize it's like, I could use technology, right? Like, I, like it's not that like, I always like, you know, it's like become so clear over the past few years, but like the idea that there's like the tech world and then like the not tech world was just this false premise, right? It was like technology is like, how could you go build consumer brands and experiences on top of like the tech on top of technology. Right. right. And so I didn't view it that way. Like I viewed that as like technology, that's going to be, I want to go bring technology and like a Silicon Valley mentality into a space that is like, doesn't, uh, that's not seen a lot of innovation. Like I think when people talk about like tech, like Silicon Valley is a mentality more than it is a place, right? It's a way of like building businesses. And that's not just about building technology, right? Like there's just so many examples, you know, of that. Like once you, know, you start entering the real world, like, you know, and so, um, anyways, um, 
I know what you're saying. And I think that, I guess what I was trying to point out was, you know, how do you, what made you shift from maybe wanting to start a tech company in terms of selling software versus selling a consumer facing product, right? Something that you can touch, drink, feel, you know, experience in a different way. Yeah. Just like, I don't feel like, I think I, I, yeah, I believe in the idea of founder market fit that you it's most startups fail. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And so like the why to have a chance at success you want to focus on things that play to your strength, mm-hmm. right? Um, and my strengths were always around like seeing what consumers like wanted next, I'd say, and figuring out like how they, the psychology of things. And like, I'd say just generally like, t- like taste, right? Like I was like, I always love music. I always like design. I always like fat. Like that was just like, since I was, 12 years old, right? So it's just like, mm-hmm. I had a good ear, I had a good eye. And like, you could package all that together to create something, right? Like, I think yeah. that's like creating a brand or a startup is like producing a movie, right? In terms mm-hmm. of bringing the pieces in the team and like these you know, different um, talent t- together to, to, to create something. So the question was like, what should I go focus on? My first idea was not recess. Um, it was actually... Uh, it was looking at like the hotel space. And this is right when kind of WeWork um, and Airbnb were kind of blowing up. And I was like, how do hotels stay relevant for kind of our generation when Airbnb exists um, and WeWork exists? Um, and I thought it was like this, basically this idea of like community, right? That, that, that's like the, the different, that would be like the differentiator. And it was like, basically the concept was like, so house meets a high-end hostel, like targeted at the WeWork crowd. So a lot of my friends like lived in between New York, LA, San Francisco. We're kind of living that like nomadic life, like which is a kind of a trend still is, so, so to speak. Like, how can you go create something for them? Right. And so it was really like a real estate play, which like, you know, I had some connections in, but it ultimately was like a good idea again, but in theory, like I still it is a good concept, but like to execute as a first startup, like to go, you're in the real estate development business. Like don't pretend otherwise. Right. Right. Like, right. You're, you know, you're, so it's like, you're talking tens of millions of dollars in capital to get that off the ground. Right. The l- amount of time it takes to validate whether that would even work. Right. You're talking years. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you like, it's impossible to build anything in, you know, New York, LA, San Francisco and like, you know, get, so it's like, ended up just, it was like, you know, and I, a year of basically exploring this idea, but in, you know, in retrospect, um, it was like kind of hot, you know, again, it's like, again, because of the nature of like real estate, like you're like, you're, it's like all, it, until you start building it, it's all kind of talk. Right. Yeah. But I was able to like recognize that, um, and again, like that was, I was going to like kill basically table that. And then I spent like another, like, yeah, and this was like a pretty difficult period of time, right? Because it was like clear to me that this was like not like again, might have been a good idea, but like how am I gonna go pull this off? Right? <laughs> right. Um, and so that was an example of not founder market fit, right? In terms of actually being able to execute it, right? Um, and so I like put, you know, I started like consulting a little bit. I was like literally I, I applied for jobs, like, and no one knew what to do with me. Like that was the thing. Like I was like, I got turned down from a lot of jobs. Right. Cause I was like, all right, maybe I should just like consider going back and getting a job. And, you know, I look at everything from investing to like back at tech companies to all sorts of things. And so it was very kind of confused period. Um, 
but again, I just decided to like keep going. I moved to New York, which is where I'd always um, been like the most invigorated. And I joined. I ended up joining kind of a f- uh, two friends that had like kind of started this. It's kind of meant to be like an incubator, like brand studio type thing. And the idea is like we were gonna like kind of come up with consumer concepts, like whether it's like a fast casual restaurant or something like recess and then like it, you know, try and put together investment deals. Again, mm-hmm. it was a little bit like, you know, just trying to make shit happen basically. Right. Um, yeah. and I think that's so much of what like the entrepreneurs I see is like, they're just can like make things happen. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, um, and basically the idea for recess came out of that. And so like, basically I can get into like, you know, what I saw with recess, but that was like the journey to, to get to recess. And that was about three years ago. And so re- I took about a year to create recess and then we launched recess exactly two years ago. Wow. So walk me through kind of that inspiration and how that idea initially kind of transformed, um, especially during that first year before launch. Yeah. So I remember the, I think the origin of the idea came when, uh, Trump was elected <laughs> and like, I'm a pretty like independent political person. Uh, like, you know, I'm definitely like, yeah, but I'd, I'd say like generally independent, but like lean left. Um, but I remember like when Trump got elected being like caught so off guard and like, how yeah. is that possible? Like everything I thought I knew about the world was like wrong. Right. And I was like, that was very <laughs> eye opening. I think it's, I think it was very like, uh, opened up a lot. Right. I think that people just mm-hmm. didn't really have a good perception of actual reality. And that like, there's this reality that was like being constructed that I don't think was as stable as it was like portrayed. Right. And, and, and so much. And I just remember thinking like, I don't know anything about the future other than like between Trump, like the rise of technology, artificial intelligence, climate change, like the fact, this idea of like G zero, that like the America is not like what it was in terms of it, like just controlling the world is that the world is going to go, is going to be, is going through this transformational period and it's going to feel crazy. And I literally remember posting that on Facebook on like November 6th, whatever, 2016. Um, like the last time I probably posted on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and so that was like the, uh, this idea of like an antidote to modern times, right. Which is like what recess is about. Mm. Right. And there's this like Jeff Bezos line I love, which is like, he said, uh, it's basically like, I don't know anything. I like the only thing I know about, co- co- you know, consumers that they want cheap, they want products cheaper and faster to arrive faster. Right. And their entire business is optimized around those two points right? Selection, price, speed to delivery. Right. Right. And so for recess, you know, I had this inkling in the back of my mind around the world's going crazy. Right. It's like, this this is not like temporary. Well, um, very interesting that you have that perspective though, because I think that was very New York. I was in New York at that time too, watching the election till, you know, wee hours of the night. And that next morning, I don't know if you went on the subway that morning, but the next morning after the election, when Trump got elected, it was like, silent and very somber. (laughs) Like, I don't know, were you, do you remember that feeling like of the next day that kind of, it was like a shock, I think for a lot of people in the city and the reaction was kind of crazy. It was just a very, you could tell it was a pivotal, a pivotal time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It was just like, 
for sure. I think it was actually in California for whatever reason, but um, <laughs> that happened. But yeah, no, I just remember it felt like a big deal, right? Like, yes. I like it. And it was like so unexpected, right? Um, and I don't think that was fair, right? It shouldn't have been as unexpected as it was. And like, that's the point, right? Like, it is like that, like, it reality wasn't like what we were told, right? And to some degree. And I think that was very like eye opening to me. Yeah. And so, you know, basically that was, and then basically like a year later, yeah, a year later, um, I had started to see CBD oil bubbling up on the periphery, basically in natural food stores. And I've always been like a pretty like stressed out, anxious, kind of wired guy. And I started using CBD oil in oil form um, to see it help me feel kind of calm and balanced, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I've always kind of been looking for things to help me kind of deal with the world around me and like my natural, like stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And when I started using CBD, I felt better. I felt more balanced, more even keeled. And as a result, I felt more productive, more creative and less stressed out and anxious. And I just had a number of kind of insights from that experience. The first being like, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Stress yeah. and anxiety um, would, because of this crazy times we're living in, was only going to increase, right? And that technology really and social media, like, we're just introduced and we're just starting, we're just beginning to deal with the second and third order consequences of that. And like that our minds were not like designed to like, f- like live in this world, right? And we're going to need products to help us relax over time. What were some of those things other than the kind of, you know, political state that we were living in at that time? You know, what are those things were causing you some anxiety or stress that kind of influenced? Oh, I think just trying to, well, there's the, just generally trying to figure out my life. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> a know, big one. But I think more, it's just, yeah, but I think it was more, you know, just like, you know, just even social media. Like, yeah, I think that was the big one. But like, again, I've, I think I've been that way, like since I was like a young age, right? So I think it was just something naturally hyper anxious, jittery. Like that's just kind of who I am and who, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are that way. Um, kind of like yeah, ADD. Always, yeah, right? I definitely had ADD, right? So yeah, that's probably <laughs> the best way to, to, to spread it. Yeah, definitely. But I, I was moving on. Like the second insight was around CBD itself. And it was very simple. It was basically... Uh, the user experience of putting CBD oil under your tongue that tastes like grass is not a great one. Uh, but the way to think about CBD as as a compound, no more interesting than caffeine. Just a commoditized functional ingredient uh, that will serve alongside other functional ingredients, such as adaptogens, things like magnesium, you know, nootropics, at the base of, an emerge, of the next big uh, category in the beverage and supplement and even food industry focused on relaxation. Right. And that, you know, who are the biggest caffeine companies in the world? And my thesis was like CBD would become like the caffeine of the 21st century. Hmm. Right. And that, like, who are the biggest caffeine companies in the world? It's Red Bull, it's Monster Energy, it's Starbucks. And they're not marketing caffeine, they're marketing how the brand makes you feel. Right. And so the first insight, like, was like CBD would become an ingredient like caffeine that would be huge in beverages. And that, to market this product, like the value proposition of the CBD, you want to market the feeling and not the ingredient, right? So it's Red Bull gives you wings, not like 300, here's 300 milligrams of caffeine in a can, right? <laughs> so like, that was the key difference that I think that has allowed recess to break through is like everyone else is marketing CBD, 
and no one really cares about CBD. Like it's a, an entirely a social construct. The entire conversation around CBD is a social construct. And it's just because it's an extract from cannabis that was once a controlled substance. And like that drives so much of the conversation. But beverage, you know, categories are built around kind of usage occasions and feelings and like how a brand is going to fit into your life. Right. And so when I came up with the idea for CBD beverages in this category, I didn't even know a single person that ever worked in the beverage or CPG industry. It had never crossed my mind to look at the space. It was one of these things like an epiphany that like this is going to be huge and like this is going to be my idea. Right. And and it was like, I'm going to, yeah. When did you get that epiphany? I always like to go through that aha moment phase. Like, do you remember where you were, what you were, you were doing and how it all came together? And you're like, oh, that is what I want to do. Cause I think people, entrepreneurs listening are really waiting for that epiphany to happen. Right. Yeah. And some of them try to construct it and figure it out and like try to make it happen. So how did that unravel? Yeah. It was like, really like I'd seen CBD is using it. And I saw someone like add it to like a, a juice. I saw like a juice company add hemp. And I was just like, you're thinking about this the wrong way. It's about, it's not like vitamin C. It's like caffeine and like caffeine's about the feeling, right? And so you want to build the brand, not around the ingredient, but about the feeling. And it was just like, it was just like obvious, like what is CBD? And then I was like, oh, you know, CBD represents, it's a rep- it represents like, it represents this anxious period in history, right? Like, and if you think about like the new, this is, you know, I didn't have the, like some of these insights at the time, but like the more you think about it, like the rise of categories of food and beverage products and supplements is really correlated with like other things happening in society. So like the best recent example of this is like plant-based meat and plant-based dairy, right? Is really a reflection of like environmentalism over the past 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. People care about the environment. They want to consume products uh, and their diets that are less harmful to the environment, right? The rise of energy drinks and coffee over the past 20 years, like my favorite stat is Monster Energy is the single best performing stock of the past 20 years. It's a $37 billion company that just sells like caffeine in a can, basically. But like, what does that represent, right? In the rise of Starbucks, it's like, it's a routeless, like growth at all costs mentality. It's about like globalization. It's about like build, 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 build. Right. The rise of like seltzer, like LaCroix and hard seltzer over the past like, you know, five, 10 years is really about wellness, right? You're like, we want, I want something that the taste, you know, has flavor that's carbonated, but doesn't have sugar and calories. Right. I used to drink soda, now I'm drinking LaCroix. I used to drink beer, now I'm drinking white cloth. Right. And so, like, what is like recess about? And like, what is CBD about? It's about like clearly we're living in a crazy time, right? And that we're going to want things that help us relax. Um, that are not alcohol, like, and that are not caffeine, right? And that there's throughout history for hundreds and hundreds of years, there's been two kind of product types that we consume to like alter our state of mind. And that's caffeinated beverages, primarily originally just coffee and then alcoholic beverages, which intoxicate you. And I basically think there's this like third class of, of products in that beyond beverages that are going to merge that are going to use ingredients, you know, like caffeine, like adapt or like, like CBD, like adaptogens, like magnesium, like nootropics to like deliver feelings. And I think that's like, that's like kind of a big idea here. 
I love that. Deliver feelings, you know, and, and you're marketing the feeling, not the yeah. ingredient. I mean, these are all really important um, things to think about when building a brand, which you've done really well of doing. Um, when did you realize, you know, go, walk me through the launching process. You know, I think a lot of hurdles to creating a product like this is maybe the cost to, for product development and stuff like that. So how did you kind of think of the first few, you know, SKUs and create that first few products? Well, the, um, at the time I was within like the, I had these like two partners within this like brand studio. So we each put in, I think we each put in like $50,000, right? So we like, it said we have a $150,000 budget to like go create the, what was recess. And that's about like what we spent. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I think that you have to determine, well, look, the real, the thing I reckon, like, again, I, when I came to the idea, I didn't even, it never crossed my mind to look at the space. But what I observed is like, like what, what is Red Bull? And like, what is Gatorade? Like they're not just liquid in a can. Like they're like most of the people that work there are working on like the brand and the marketing, right? Like Red Bull and Gatorade are effectively media companies that monetize through selling cans. Right. And so I actually, we started working on the brand before the liquid, right? It was like, how are you going to tell this story? Right. And it's like, nothing else matters in the beverage. You know, it's like, I was like, we're going to do this. Like we want to go create the Red Bull of this category. Right. And it's like, I had to think about like, what was the brand positioning? Right? So we had the ideas of like, we want to market the solution, not the ingredient. We had to go establish a new usage occasion in people's lives, taking a recess. We had to define the feeling, calm, cool, collected. Like that's the equivalent of like Red Bull gives you wings, right? So it's like, I think the first thing to do as like an entrepreneur is like, just like break things down into their components. Like, you know, the first principle is thinking basically. Like go ask why a lot. Like, like I, I remember like thinking... Like, why was Red Bull paying someone to like jump out of a satellite? Like, they either did that stunt back then. I'm like, what? What was the business purpose? Was this like just for fun? No, it's like it's all about like creating a brand that has massive amounts of awareness that people talk about, so that when they walk into the store, they choose Red Bull over Monster, mm-hmm. right? And so that was just like a very deliberate part of our strategy, which is like recognizing like how the beverage industry works, right? Which was like we're going to go invest more than your traditional food or beverage startup would, especially at the time, in a brand upfront. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my strategy like over time was no one that's worked on the recess brand has ever worked in the beverage or food industry. And everyone on the sales, finance, operations, supply chain, supply chain side of the business is like best in class CPG people. Right. Because I think innovation is about like identifying, you know, where you want to reinvent the wheel and like do things differently and like where there's a way things are done. Right. Like you don't want to reinvent the wheel and like how a product gets on the shelf of Whole Foods, right? Like they have a system and you need to work within that system. Yeah. But like we wanted to innovate on like how do you reach consumers? Right. It's not just about like sending like girls out in Red Bull, like mini coopers handing out cans. Right. And like that the shift was like I look at recess as like the first true digitally native beverage brand. It's the first brand, like that the thing I saw was like in the past, brands were built you know, just on the shelf today, they'd be built on your phone and that would change everything. Right. And so like, I wanted to learn, you know, basically we launched recess out of my apartment in the East village with one of my COO, Simon, who I brought on ended up bringing in on like six months before we launched. And, um, 
And uh, we, we did a direct to consumer like only launch. Like even though the vision was to all like go into you know, retail, basically the thinking with the launch is like we wanted to kind of, we had to go introduce the idea of a recess into consumers' lives because they were no one was like going around looking for beverages that help them relax, right? And just slapping CBD on the label is not enough. Like you're not introducing a new idea. You're like introducing a new ingredient, but people don't know like how they're supposed to use it or how it's supposed to make them feel. Right. So like our website was our launch is all about like telling that story and then kind of creating the buzz and the leverage online in order to go offline. Right. So that the retailers and distributors would like come to us. And that's kind of what happened. So when was that moment when you realized this is working versus maybe this isn't working? Should we stop? You know, like basically, yeah. Sorry. It was basically right away. It was like one of these launches, like I was confident. I was like, I was like. Over time, I became confident. Like again, just going back to like the that Bezos line. Like I don't like I don't know anything about the future other than that people are going to look to relax. I'm I'm fully confident in that. Now the question is like, is Recess going to be like the biggest brand in that category? Like that's a separate question. But like I know this category is going to exist like 100, percent right? So it's like when you know that, um, like I, I think in entrepreneurship, like your market matters a lot, right? Like, like, you know, like the idea you choose, the market you're operating in, like where that market is in its existence, like you want to ideally play in the early parts of a trend, right? Um, cause, and like, there's, I think in business, like you're either creating a category or you're going into an existing category and trying to capture market share. And those are like two very different things. Right. And I think recognizing like what you're doing is very important. Um, and I just always knew that like we were like creating a category, which makes it a whole, whole lot harder because no buyer was like looking for this at the time, like both on the consumer side and the retail side. And even today, I think we are misdefined. Like I don't view Recess as a CBD company. Yeah. That's how people perceive us or like some people, not our customers, um, but like that's how like a, you know, the distributors and the retailers currently think about it. I'm like, I've never heard anyone refer to Red Bull as a caffeine company or like the energy drink category is the caffeine category, right? Mm -hmm. It's about like the feeling that it enables. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's like, just like really defining like what your vision is, is important. I think that's one reason why Recess has been successful. Like for enough people, it's been very clear about like what we're trying to do and like how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you guys launched two years ago. Um, a lot can happen in two years. So tell us about one of your most challenging moments and how did you overcome it? Well, the, I haven't mentioned the, 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 the big twist in everything, which is like the regulation around CBD. Mm. Right? So basically the history is um, hemp and marijuana are cousins within the cannabis family with one critical difference. Hemp doesn't have THC in it. Uh, when I came with the idea, like they were still regulated as the same thing, and CBD was a controlled substance. I'm like, I'm not going to sell a bit, start a business selling a controlled substance indefinitely. There would need to be a light at the end of the tunnel for this ultimately to become an approved food additive, like you know, caffeine or protein is. And I heard about a piece of legislation being introduced by Mitch McConnell, which was called the Hemp Farming Act. I'm like, why is Mitch McConnell introducing a bill about hemp? Like that doesn't make sense. Well, it's fundamentally like a red state farmers issue. 
like all of these uh, farmers that used to grow corn, soybeans, tobacco, transition to hemp in Kentucky as like this pilot program. It was a much higher yielding crop, much easier to grow. And Mitch McConnell introduced this bill, um, which basically removed CBD from the controlled substance list and shifted the regulation from the DEA to the FDA. And so that would like begin the process for it to ultimately become an approved food additive, which it's not yet. But like when I heard about that, I'm like, I'm going to bet like that Mitch McConnell is going to pass this because he's very powerful and he's like a Republican. And if that happens, that those farmers are ultimately going to like want to sell the Coca-Cola and, you know, hopefully recess. And that like this will just inevitably become legal. And so the business plan of recess has been to navigate this period of regulatory uncertainty to arrive at the other side as like the category leading brand best position to scale. And uh, so the challenge with recess is like the only reason recess isn't sold in the Whole Foods, CVS, Target, like Amazon, national retailers, yeah, is because we have CBD uh, mm -hmm. included, right? So our addressable market is small because um, the big national retailers are waiting for FDA clarity, right? So that has created this entire like twist in the business where I probably spend, you know, 30 to 40% of my time on the regulatory aspect, trying to like clarify the laws. So unfortunately, or for better or worse, like I'm the most engaged, we are the most engaged company in America on the issue of CBD and food and beverages uh, in terms of driving regulatory clarity. And that has had massive like implications for us. Like we've had to like shift our manufacturing. We've like lost many accounts. Like again, we're prevented from scaling, right? So just navigating that, Right, um, it's been a lot, and uh, it's just you can't compare it to anything else in the like traditional food and beverage industry because no one has that twist. Like they can create a company and sell at Whole Foods right away, like if it's good enough, right? Mm -hmm. um, we don't, and so just all of the consequences of that, like one fact, right? And I was like, it's both like a, a it's both an asset and a liability, right? It's an asset in some ways because it gives us this position, this time to go build an organization and a brand that's ready to scale, right? Like if, if this would have like exploded in every national retailer, you know, at when we were three months old, well, the company was still in my apartment, right? Like there was no organization that was ready to scale mm -hmm. right now. There's like an organization, right. And like a supply chain and we're, you know, we're in many markets. We're the leading brand. People know who we are. We have a lot of awareness. Like we have this brand foundation, I'm like, you can't just create that overnight. Like, you know, so like, I don't care how much money you are, have if you're Coca-Cola or whatever, it's not that simple, right? So, you know, in some ways it gives us this, you know, this has given us this window to, to go become the leader. And you're referring to building the brand foundation. And the organization, right? Like yeah. I just think people, talk, it's like company, like creating a product and creating a, even just the initial brand is like, it's like 1% of it, right? Like you have to go yeah. build a company and an organization and partners and investors and all, and, and like create a brand that has something to say every single day, right? If you go look at like, that's, you know, I took the, you know, Red Bull and Gatorade or media companies to heart, right? And like have tried, have architected the brand in such a way where we don't even talk about the drink barely. It's like talking about the idea of recess and like the feeling in this like indirect way, but it's not, if you go look at our marketing compared to every other food or beverage brands, very, very different. Right. What's something that you wish you would have known before you started your business? 
Um, second. Um, let's think. Just um, I think I was right. Like it, just how hard it is, right? And so it's like it was like couldn't uh, and like the persistence and the patience that it's required. Like like it just like things don't happen over night and like you're going to go through these like cycles in business right like and and uh again we launched and it felt like it was just clear that this was working and like and then you, know, you just go through different um different phases like uh, of a business right and the ups and downs right and mm-hmm. it's like just the importance of having uh a long term like clear vision for for what you're building in this like north star which we've had like I think the vision from like pre-launch is basically the same vision as it is today. And I think it was the right vision, but just like the ups and downs to get there. Right. And it's just like, so often entrepreneurships is just like, you know, survive, you know, survive. And that's being dramatic, but like, I think just like the persistence required, I, you know, you didn't fully appreciate, uh, I didn't fully appreciate. And I think that's why it's so important to work on something that you're passionate about because if it's just an idea to like make money, like you'll give up, I guarantee you. Like, cause it's just not, it's not what you naturally want to think about. Like versus, you know, recess is more of just like an extension of like me in some ways. Right. Like, it's just like, I don't even consider it work. It's just like, you know, it, I always I almost thought of it as like an art project in the early days. Um, yeah. So. So being persistent, as you mentioned, you know, is a really big part of being a founder. What, you know, keeps you going? Do you have a mindset of routine? Do you, how do you kind of keep that strength? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's, I, I, I'm not the most routine oriented person. I think like what keeps me going, is just like, I know like, you know, how big of a, I think what the products that we're creating actually help people. I think these ingredients, like these functional ingredients should become much, much more widespread, just like caffeine and alcohol are functional ingredients that are very widespread in our society and they're delivered in different ways through brands, right? Brands are basically vehicles for these ingredients. Um, I'm confident. Uh, there's like just no question in my mind that like this category that's developing over the coming years is going to be a massive category. And I think recess is like very well positioned to, to lead it. Um, and so it's kind of like, don't screw it up, you know, like it's, yeah. uh, you know, a little bit, right. It's like, I, I think we're, you know, we, we have something we're not successful yet. Like it's like, we have, but we have a chance of being successful. Um, and so I think we are like, we're well positioned despite all the challenges, but I think the challenges have made us stronger. Like, I think you will look back and I think, you know, these, the first two years, three years, the, you know, the first two years, of the company, like, um, you know, I think it'll be a, a strength. Right. And, and again, like we could have, if the regulatory was cleared, like we would have been at whole foods, we'd be much, much, much larger today. We'd be 10 X the size today. Right. But I think over the long term, that will be like, I'll, that will be looked at as like a positive part of the journey. And you guys have done such a great job in building a really awesome brand to any entrepreneurs that are listening, thinking about building a brand. What are some of those, you know, fundamental things they should be thinking about? I think everyone like says like start with like the visual and the aesthetic and like you look at recess from the surface level and it is very pretty. And like we define, we like really define these pastels and these gradients and like 
set yeah. a lot of trends there, right? Like it's just, yeah. You know, but I think the secret to recess is our story and our messaging and like what we have something to say. And I, so I think the, the most important thing in marketing is your brand voice, right? Because once your brand has to exist digitally, you need to be able to engage with your customers and community every single day, whether that's through Instagram or through email or podcasts, right? And so like, what is your voice? Like, what is your perspective on the world? How do you speak? Like, what is your tone? That's very, very important. Um, and I think that's the reason some of the secret to recess is success is like the story. And like, I look at our, I would encourage everyone to check out our Instagram. Uh, our handle is take a recess at take a recess. And I look at the strategy as like a social commentary on the millennial existence. Like we're kind of like speaking to all the issues that we're going through at this like unique moment in history in this very like tongue-in-cheek recess way. And we're kind of like poking fun at like millennial culture a little bit. Like so much of our stress and anxiety is like actually in our own heads too, mm-hmm. which I don't think is acknowledged. Right. And so I look at it as like there's recess you consume in your body and like recess you consume in your mind, and they're of kind of equal importance to like our mission. Um, but I think it all starts with our brand voice, which is like incredibly scalable. Um, and like, we can go, like, we haven't used any talent. We haven't used photography. Like there's just so much we can go do and will go do beyond like off of the foundation we've set. So I think it's like starting, like start with the written word, not like just visuals, even though like that feels like the important thing to do is like, just create this like mood board or like here are the colors I want to use, but I think it's what you have to say is much more important, actually. Interesting. And so how did you guys create your brand voice? Is it just your voice? Did you kind of come up with that in the beginning? Did you hire a big fancy agency intern? Like, how did it happen? Yeah. Um, well, I had a very... So like, I'm definitely a brand guy. I had the vision like of like, I was like, the brand voice, I wanted to be like, profound wisdom delivered with humor, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, I'm oh. not a copywriter. So I think the secret to... Again, another secret to entrepreneurship is identifying like undervalued talent, right? And bringing together the people that can like help you actually execute, right? Like I can't do any of the people's jobs that work for me. Yeah. Right? To be honest, like I really can't. Like I'm not a f- graphic designer. I'm not a copywriter. I'm not finance person. I'm not a supply chain person. But like you know, I have certain skills, right? Um, and I think so. It's like complementing your weaknesses and like basically to the best of your abilities, creating a system allows you to focus on your strengths is the most important thing of like starting a company. And so like I had the vision, I knew what I wanted, but like I was able to identify agencies and, you know, individual creators that could help me like turn it into like a reality. Right. And so it was all through partnerships like, you know, with, you know, at the time people were like, these were freelancers. Right. The first yeah. agency we hired was like a pretty well-known agency. That was like the initial brand identity. But from there, like that was pretty, you know, six months before we launched, it was like with two freelancers basically. And they, they built an entire agency off the brand now. Wow. But like everyone that like in the early days of recess, like a lot of it was like my friend, you know, friends, friends of friends was like, you know, I met the guy that formulated recess with me. I was out at a bar in New York. You know, it's like, it was not like prescriptive, right? It was yeah. going on to Google, like, how do I make a drink? Right. So, and I think that's like kind of the mentality, you know, for, you know, this would not be the mentality you want to take in like a 
medical device company or like a healthcare company, yeah. right? But like a consumer brand or, you know, like for something like this, I do think like, you know, being coming out with a fresh perspective is totally a, a strength, right? And it's like people in the, people in the beverage industry didn't get recently. Like it was crazy. Like they're like, why do you have people in your office making Instagrams and doing collaborations with brands? Like you're supposed to hand people cans only. That's the only thing you're allowed to do to market. I was like, you don't get it. Like, it's like clearly culture is being created in like Instagram today. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, that's obvious. Right. right. But like, that's not how it's been done for, you know, the past, whatever, you know, 20, 30, 50 years. And like, to be honest, like the same, a lot of the most recent successful beverage brands, including White Claw, like, which is, I think the last one that will be like truly built that way. That was built the same way Coca-Cola was built a hundred years ago. Right. In terms of this, you know, the, the strategy. Right. Um, and so I think of what recess is, is like, it's building a brand in a new way. And it's like taking the lessons from, again, I look at like Gatorade and Red Bull um, and applying them and in, in like, you know, even when the company is based in my apartment. Right. So it's like, what can you, what are the lessons you can take from that? Even though you're they're those companies were tens of billions of dollars. Right. You mentioned, you know, getting into doors initially was challenging because of the regulations, but also you are in lots of doors today. So what doors are you guys in and what's it look like? Um, what are some of the future products or things that where you, where's the business going next? Yeah. Um, so we're in primarily like kind of independent and like regional, uh, accounts, um, in, you know, the following markets were, you know, in New York, which is our biggest market, uh, LA, uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, we just launched the Pacific Northwest, Morgan and Washington. Uh, we're in Chicago. Um, and like in, in LA, we're in like, you know, the air wands and a lot of gas stations and liquor stores and cafes and coffee shops. But again, we're not in the Whole Foods, you know, we're not in Bristol Farms or Gelson's yet because they're all not because they don't want us, but because of the, the regulatory around CBD. Right. And yeah. so, you know, we're in like, I call it like 1500 to 2000, you know, locations across the US right now. And, um, and then, you know, we, you know, we have a big launch coming up next year where we'll, we'll be launching new products and expanding the brand to new categories. You know, there's a lot of places we can take this brand, right? Um, you know, add some recess to your coffee or smoothie in the morning. Like, there's just like some obvious things that you'll, you, you'll, you'll see. Um, but it's all within this broader kind of building a relaxation platform and creating a number of different types of products that help you relax at different moments throughout your day. So like to, you know, in, your, in the afternoon for this afternoon, pick me up to like for focus and productivity, you might want a, a different formula than something you take before bed, right? And there's just like different versions of, you know, recess we can ultimately create. Awesome. And before we wrap up here, just final question. You've already shared so many great, you know, tidbits of advice and especially around building a brand. Um, do you have any final advice for aspiring entrepreneurs that are listening or business operators out there? Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, going back to what I said earlier for, for people that are, um, you know, want to go down the entrepreneurial path, which I don't think there's ever been a better moment in history to do. Uh, I think it's important to like pick the right idea um, and to like find the right idea. I think this idea of like pay attention to what you pay attention to is like very profound in some ways. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 
And because uh, I just think it's so hard that you want as many advantages as you can. And like, one of them is just like enjoying thinking about what you're building. Right. Um, and then, you know, the second is somewhat obvious and self evident for like, you know, business owners, but it's like your team is everything. Right. And like that, uh, you also like won't be able to, without like a compelling vision and story. Like it's you're not gonna be able to recruit or get partnerships or raise money, right? Or, or all the things that are necessary. So, I think just having a very clear vision of like what you're trying to build and what your approach is and strategy uh, allows you to recruit, right? And I think the uh, hiring comp- people with complementary skill sets is, you know, again the, the most important thing. Like recess when recess is a whole team, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I was able to, you know put the right team together to, to, to build it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for sharing your awesome story and building recess. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. This is fun. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review, and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.